This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the MK1 podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. I was saying to the lads before we jumped on the recording, it feels like a while since we've done this, but it's literally only been a couple of weeks. So this feels a bit longer, I suppose, with uh, everything that's happened with us just not recording, basically, and all the football going on. Obviously, uh, two cup games, which you've progressed in both, which is fantastic, and some interesting draws on that, which I'm sure we'll get the boys' thoughts on. Uh, league action, of course, also with the Derby game and Remembrance uh, Day also. And then, of course, World Cup action to also preview with, obviously, one of our players going and Matt Smith. Congratulations to him. Um, but, of course, we'll, we'll get our thoughts on that also. And, of course, we're still playing for the World Cup. And we've got Barnsley on a Saturday, which has been a happy hunting ground in the past for Don. So, a lot to go through this week. But before we get into all of that, I'm going to introduce the lads on the call. So, first of all, Ross, how are you, mate? Yeah, doing all, all well. It seems like work's taken over at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I can relate to that. It's been a it's been a hectic few weeks, hence why I think we've not had too much um Don's chat between the three of us on the on here. But we're here tonight and uh joining us is Joe. Joe, how you doing, mate? Yeah, I think just the same, really. That's pretty much why we've not been able to do these episodes. We've had just a couple of like we meant to record yesterday, but we've been delayed and just things like that. So yeah, life's taken over at the moment, but raring to go again. Yeah, it's a Christmas rush, isn't it? It's, it's always the same thing, especially with what, what like Joe does. And obviously, I'm doing events every two seconds at the moment. So, yeah, it's just pretty crazy. And the World Cup hasn't helped things at all. But um, here we are. We're here tonight and we're here to chat Dons. So, obviously, let's start in a chronological order. Let's start with the Cup games. Um, obviously, you know, we've, we comfortably beat Taunton at home and we progressed also. Uh, in the Carabao Cup against Morecambe. So we've got two two games to react to in terms of that wins and also you know, just the cup draws in general. I feel that you know, whilst we did get a League One team in Portsmouth, it's you know, this is a way tie. I think we've got we have quite a lot of home ties this year in terms of cup competitions. So it's nice to have a way trip. And uh, Leicester at home in the Carabao Cup, which I know seem to get holders, they've gone on sale today. 
So make sure you get your tickets for that one, which I'm sure will be a great game. And hopefully the uh, the lads can cause an upset with a team who that'll be a bit disjointed come back from the World Cup, their first game back, I'm, I'm assuming, in terms of competitively. So um, again, it's obviously, you know, two great cup wins, but overall, um, Ross, what's your reaction to getting Pompey away in the in the FA Cup and then obviously a home tie against Leicester in the Carabao? Um, Pompey one's a bit of a weird one because obviously we play him uh, twice in a few weeks and they're both away. So it's a case of two long trips. And um, But I think it could have been a lot worse. It could, it, it, it could have been Pompey at home and we could have lost that. So I think take it with a pinch of salt, really. And um, I think Pompey away, obviously, I'll, I'll be going to both. And I'm sure, obviously, both of you two will try to. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's, if it's the FA Cup and... Let's be honest, we don't the draws don't really favour us at the moment. Yeah, I thought to say Joe have literally probably got in terms of the competitions and the stages that they're at, probably two of the toughest draws we could have got in Pompey and Leicester, because you know, Pompey where they are in the league and League One and Leicester being a Premier League side, you know, there wasn't many too many teams in those respective competitions that were much better than them really. So getting those two teams, well, whilst they're gonna be competitive games, it's quite a tough test for Dons in both competitions. Yeah, I think in terms of Portsmouth, yeah, as Ross said, it's, you know, it's not at home, but either way, it's an away tie, it's a long trip, which we're going to have to be doing, you know, it's it's probably an expense for a hotel for the club and just, it's just a bit of a, ugh, you know, one of those where you have to kind of get yourself up for it. If, um, But it's, you know, it's an opportunity to get to the third round of the FA Cup where, fingers crossed, you do get a big tie. And yeah, the Carabao Cup, Yet again, we get a Premier League big side and they're at home. I don't know what we've done to deserve no home. I think we've had two away ties against Premier League teams in the last, well, 15 years, 20 years. And that's been QPR and Bournemouth. Um, just was, from off the top of my head. Was Burnley a Prem team? Oh, it's COVID. I know oh, that. Burnley, yeah, but we couldn't go to that, could we? Don't even count. Then, that's, we played again, in the championship that's, you know, season. Yeah, again, yeah. that's just, you know, it's relegation sort of side, but it's been in and out of championship. So it's just like, oh, what are we going to do? What do we have to do to get one of the big boys away from home? And we, we and, and at, at that point, there was eight teams left. And I think three of them were Man City, um, Liverpool uh, and Leicester. So, you know, you're thinking, you, right, OK, doing the maths here. We've got an OK chance of getting a big draw here. I think United might have still been left in at that point as well. But... Um, no, the wait to have a big away Premier League game continues. Well, I'm sure the club are relatively happy of it being a home game, of course. You know, some ticket sales into the club, which I'm sure will be much needed. But yeah, so I think I think for us fans, an away game would have been nice. But we've got to set up a Portsmouth twice in a month, unfortunately, which uh, we'll have to do, I think. Um, I mean, just swap them and I'll be, I'll be more than happy. Just swap yeah, them. Yeah. Uh, I'll have Portsmouth at home and Leicester away. Take that. <laughs> Oh, I find it that simple, but yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. But, you know, I mean, I'm sure, well, it's exciting to be in, in the last stages of both competitions. Obviously, FA Cup is a chance to get into the third round. I said, get that, get the big boys and obviously Carabao. Um, I said, it's, I think, well, I think Ant, the media team, is the first who've gone since uh, since the season of the AOC, et cetera. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's good to get the competitions, but it'd be nice if we can... Uh, pick up some form in the league. Um, and speaking of which, that took a bit of a hit at the weekend against Derby. Um, you know, always a bit tough game. You know, 
I found it. I think there was a comment made in the week about how the team seems to do well when big crowds come to Stadium K. I don't believe that comment at all from some of the members of the team, I think. But um, And that was a clear reflection of why they don't do well uh, when the big crowds come because another loss at home. Um, this one a bit more difficult. Felt from what from what I've heard and seen, we started the game pretty well. Um, obviously, Lou Barry around the key, making it 1 0, adding to his impressive stint performances recently for the team. And um, obviously, we'll get into his availability later on for the Barnsley game. But, and, you know, I think for the overall, I think for that going from 1 0, we started pretty well. Um, obviously, seeing the goal pretty soon after that, disappointing. Um, a set piece, I believe it was. Um, pretty much a free header as well, which is even more disappointing. Um, and I think after that, going into the second half, I think the whilst playing well with Derby with this is a more clinical team and you know shows where they are in the league, quite frankly, in terms of how they've been playing this season, where we are in the league, in terms of where we're how we've been playing for parts of it. Um so yeah, I mean that, that's my take on it about about being at the stadium. Obviously, Joe, you were at the stadium on Saturday for Remembrance Day. Um I remember you mentioned to me in a comment that Don, Don's a pretty positive uh, on the day, and then I told you some people would be a bit negative about it, you were surprised, but Give it, give me general thoughts on it overall. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised to hear some people think that we weren't quite at it really on Saturday. I think we were undone by ultimately better finishing. Um, but in terms of chance creation, that was all us. Um, we had them pinned back for large periods of the game. Maybe not necessarily creating some really, really top level chances other than the one we scored. But we just had some really good opportunities, good moments. And But when their moments came, two of them from set pieces, they took them. Uh, they had eight shots in the entire game. Five of them were blocked. The other three were goals. And they were, you know, as I say, good finishes. It was essentially just a proper away performance from Derby. And you can't begrudge them that. Um, but I think, yeah, for, in terms of us, plenty to be encouraged by. Um, definitely, I can see where we're going. And, you know, playing well and losing for me, at this stage of the season, isn't the worst thing in the world. I'd much rather that than than scraping results and getting points on the board now because we've we've got games, okay, and we've got we've got plenty of games. Let's face it, we're probably not going to be really in the promotion fight this year. So I think this year is just about developing as a team and putting in those performances. And what you know, those performances will turn to wins, sure enough. But just yeah, I'm just quite quite. Um, enthused that we really are you know we, we, we had over double the xg of derby um in terms of open play but it was actually five times what derby had um so you know they re in open play it really was just a matter of in they were better in each of the two boxes you know wild smith made a couple of saves and we had five shots uh we had four shots on target he made three half decent saves and then you know we had a couple of times where we just didn't quite get the finish but yeah, plenty to be positive about. Um, and, yep, set pieces is one thing to monitor. One thing we need to probably look, go back in double sessions on the training ground, perhaps. But other than that, just despite the result, just just a continuation of the, the last three or four weeks, I, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, I think Joe was the only one out of the three who was actually at the game on Saturday because I know Ross Shearer at the horses at Cheltenham, but... Um, from what from what you've seen of the weekend and uh you know how how to Don's lost, but how what was your take on the performance overall? Um it's a bit of a weird one because obviously I I can't really fault something I didn't didn't watch and obviously the highlights you only see so much. But from what I did see, um 
if if you're scoring goals, obviously early on like we did, you can't be conceding them straight after. And as Joe mentioned, obviously if you held the lead, or if Bradley Johnson did score that chance with that header, um, it's a whole different game. And obviously I I, I think Manning mentioned it, but I think the one concern for me was we need to start turning this home form around. And yeah, we can look at the cup and say, oh, we won 6-0 and we won 2-0. But let's be honest, both teams, we should really be beaten. Um, but in terms of, I, I said to myself, in the next two games, is the Derby game and the Barnsley game, are two proper tests for this team. And yes, we can look at stats and say, we probably deserved it. But what, we're 17 games into the season now and we're probably going on the same thing which we were mentioning in the first five games so I'm not I'm not criticizing the team as such but when do you finally say look now is a time where you have to pick up points or and I know we're not even in December we're not even in December at the moment but what I'm trying to get at is, at is the fact that you, you can use this ruthless approach all you want but we've got Greg a senior international um, obviously, we've got Holland and Barry, um, obviously two players who are slowly coming into form. Um, but obviously, um, it's harsh, but you get judged on what what your stats say on the pitch. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I mean, I think I think for this Derby game in particular, I was quite surprised Seagrick starting. I mean, it's like when you get points. I mean, when does it come to a decision where you just you start mobilised from the off that isn't a cup game? I know he got basically 45 minutes for... Um, the Derby game because he came on for Louis Barry, the only goal scorer on a day. But I think, um, yeah, everyone's been kind of. I don't want to put it all on Mo, but I know I know he came on just mentioned about the return of um, Tanai and Mo. But Mo, I think Mo for me in particular, I kind of think you know when do you just start him? Give him sixty minutes, give him seventy-five minutes against the team, uh, especially like Barnsley, who we're probably going to need to be without spoiling too much, are quite defensively resolute. So we're going to need a. We're going to need players who can break them down and get in behind. And I think Murray's perfect for that. I think he's the only player in the squad that can really do that from the striker position. So, I mean, I don't know what, what from watching the game, Joe, I don't know what your thoughts on Grig were from that performance, but I just feel that, you know, with Mo clearly wants to play as we know. And uh, I think the performances we've seen so far, whilst I know he's still returning from injury, I think he probably deserves to start in the league, surely. Yeah, I think with, um, with Grig, he probably had our best chance in the game, um, other than the uh, the Louis Barry one, it was uh, it was it wasn't even a minute into the game. He got played through, great movement, but he's he's just falling as he takes the shot. So, what was a really promising situation was just a shot straight at the keeper, which was you know really quite disappointing, of course. Um, but after that, there, there wasn't much. There was you know the link up play. You cannot not crit- you can't criticize his work ethic. We all know about that, but you know. He didn't really win any aerial duels and he just wasn't that involved in the game. Um, with Mo, I think the one thing you do get is even if he's not necessarily on the ball, as you mentioned, the runs in behind. And we saw so many times last season away from home. Um, I, I can list them off now. Accrington, um, Portsmouth, uh, Portsmouth way? Yeah, the Corbenny yeah. strike, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Portsmouth way. Um, you had Sunderland away, Rotherham away. If he gets the ball on that half turn, Bolton away, first game of the season. You know, when game when when you get a bit more space on the counter attack, when he gets that ball played through, he knows what he's going to do, and he 
he's a very, very good finisher. And I just felt that, you know, he's got that killer. It's not to say Grig hasn't. Grig has scored lots of goals at this level before. However, I just feel, feel that in this current guise, Mo's probably more suited to, to what we want to do. Um, I think it's just a, a case of just bedding Mo in. It's a very serious injury he had. Um, it was Achilles, I believe. So it's just, I think, yeah, a case of getting just getting him up to speed more than anything. But I think again, we've had a clear week, so that can only you know that can only help him just get more and more integrated with the group. Um, um, and you just mentioned tonight as well. He was awesome in that Morecambe game in the first half. He probably should have scored <laughs> scored a couple as well, and that just made me realise like. Oh, Wow, yeah, I kind of forgot how good he was. I know it's, you know, I know we 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 liked loved him last season, but he just had that presence about him straight away. Of no, I'm gonna run through brick walls and I'm gonna get this ball and I'm gonna win this tackle and I'm gonna get there first. So again, just another element to add to our game because I think Lawrence, since he's come back in, he's been solid, but nothing nothing spectacular, but he has been solid. Um, so again, just. Just um, it's options, isn't it? It's options for the manager. I think Coyote potentially maybe was there for cover and cover alone because we really just have not seen him at all, have we? Um, and then, yeah, you, you know, as we say, Dennis still is a little bit rough around the edges. Um, so, yeah, I think I would more than happily see Mo do 60 minutes because I think, you know, an away game where we're maybe not the favourites for, I think that they're the ones that he's that really suits him, and he had has delivered in big moments uh, last season. Yeah, yeah, he's um, he's got several nicknames, obviously, but the one we use is uh, Big Game Mo. So scores a big goal, basically in the big game. So yeah, it'd be good to see him get some more minutes on the pitch and uh, get back to full fitness because we uh, we certainly need him. That's for sure. Um, I mean, obviously, I can't comment on players' performances in particular for the whole ninety, but. From what the stats tell me, Josh McEachern had a fantastic game, probably his best of the season. You know, if, if we look at any any passing sort of stat, any ground jewel sort of stat, he was at least 70 to 80% every single one of them on the day, was donned man the match in terms of rating. And, well, you put in 11 attackers interception. So it's safe to say that Josh McEachern didn't start fighting Joe on the day. And was it his best performance of the season? Did the stats not lie? Yeah, I think it was, it might have been the Oxford game when he came back as well, when he first came back. Um, I think it was Oxford away. I, I He was very good then as well. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really did enjoy the, his performance. He, 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 you know, as I said, there were times where, and it's only been the Cheltenham game and, you know, I'm talking in the league, only been the Cheltenham game and the Derby game where we've actually, you know, we've gone through the thirds and, the team's been almost not camped in the box, but they've been sat on their edge because we've worked the ball properly. And this is the more the McEachern that we, you know, we want to see. And he was, he was aggressive as well. As you say, winning his duels, he was getting stuck in. And that's in the midfield that's got um, Max, uh, Max Bird and, um, and Connor Hurahan, who are two very, you know, very competent central midfielders himself. So I think he was really up for that battle along with Johnson, who was, you know, steady, if not spectacular. Um, didn't do anything massively wrong. Uh, well, he, he did get the touch on that cross-in, which then led to it not being offside for their second goal. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it is what it is. Um, just one other honourable mention. Obviously, Barry got the goal, was very lively. Unfortunately, his game was cut short. But it was Nathan Holland who actually played the ball through to him. And I think what we're seeing with Nathan Holland is 
when we first saw him, it was, you know, off the bench for half an hour or, um, you know, little cameos. And it was sort of when he'd get the ball, he'd turn, pass it back. When he'd get the ball, he'd turn, pass it back. Play it safe, nice and safe. Now we're seeing him take a few more risks. He's actually standing up and taking on his man. And he created three chances on Saturday. Um, and I think this is just another indication that, you know, just, just getting players up to speed. Uh, I know it, I know we've kind of hated using this excuse, but giving them time to gel. And he seems more comfortable in this team and more comfortable in his skin and what he's actually, his job is for this team. Because there was times where after probably the first six weeks of the season, we were saying, what the hell is he doing here, essentially? Because he played like the first few games, then we didn't see him. Um, so, yeah, really happy that he's managed to, you know, he's not fully turned it around, but I think it's, that's his first goal involvement of the season. Um, and, you know, it was he was a threat throughout. Whenever he got the ball, you think, right, something could happen here. And so it's really just good news that we've got a couple of players now where that is the case. When they're on the ball, we're expecting as such. Yeah, I say you mentioned the first six weeks for Holland. Obviously, yeah, with, with pre-season for Holland, we kind of put eyes oh, a player here. Like we can see that we can see the talent there. You can see the explosiveness, and uh, you know it's it's taken till basically December to finally get something from him. But you know, I say he's, he's getting there. He's, he's understanding it, and it's really good to see because obviously I was a big fan of him before he joined, and seeing him the point selling the season was was pretty heartbreaking to be honest. But yeah, it's good to see him back in the team and having that connection with Barry and. Obviously, the link at Mamma Grigg up front also. Um, so, yeah, hopefully he keeps his uh, performances up and stays in the team and, um, yeah, gives a bit of competition to the other lads in those positions. All right, before we get into Barnsley, obviously just a small matter of the World Cup starting on Sunday uh, with, obviously, Qatar playing Ecuador in the opening game. Um, before we even get into any any predictions, who he thinks they win, potentially any underdogs, um, obviously we've got a player there uh, in Matt Smith, which is he's always been called up to the Wales team by Rob Page, which is absolutely fantastic news. Um, I think yeah, I think the club tweet out is the first active player to be called up from Don's to World Cup ever, which is um, really exciting. And of course, apart from the England game against us, we wish him well for the rest of the tournament. Um, but Ross, obviously, you know, it's always great to see players get recognised and be called up to the squad no matter what level they're at and things like that but it's uh, obviously for us it's pretty exciting to watch Smithy get into the team Oh yeah it's, it's a bit of a weird one because I didn't expect him to get called up I I, I genuinely did think um, Cooper would get called up ahead of him I know obviously Russ wasn't too happy with, about it so it was quite a smug smug thing that we got one over <laughs> Russ Martin but no fair play to Matt Smith um, obviously he did feature in the friendlies and the qualifiers, so he's obviously um, warrants a place in the squad. And um, I wish him all the best, um, obviously in the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, apart from too... one game. Well, apart from one game, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Without well, getting yeah. too technical into why he called him up, I suppose Joe, it's because a he's pretty versatile in terms that he play. He can play wing back and he can play set in the mid, but he plays a they play a pretty similar system in Wales as they do in MK. So he's kind of suits. Rob Page's side perfectly in some senses. Yeah, and I think there's um Joe Allen's gone to the World Cup, but he's not played since September, I believe, as well. So that central midfield area is not one of Wales's strong points in terms of depth. And also you've got um Aaron Ramsey, who um he he did actually complete 90 minutes for Nice um on well, yeah, last week. But um again, we know that he's not he's not known for his longevity and um 
been able to keep stay fit, unfortunately. But um, yeah, no, yeah. Who, who knows whether he'll be called upon. But like as you say, he can play. He, he's played right wing back. He's played right back. He's played central midfield. He's played holding midfield, and he's you know bombed on a little bit more as well. So um, yeah, it'd be amazing if he can get some minutes. Um, I wish them all the best, apart from when they're playing against uh, uh, England. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we're we're both sort of pretty secure in the first and second in the group, so it's not going to matter too much when he does play us. But uh, yes, we will soon see, of course. But um, more of a general topic. Um, obviously, John Taylor wanted us to give our World Cup winners, but I'm going to add a bit of an extra on there and give you the, give you the prediction of like an underdog you think will do well that not many people are expecting to do well. Um, I think in terms of my winner, I'm going to agree with John and say Argentina. Um, obviously they're on like a ridiculous unbeaten streak. Um, of course there is the factor of it's probably gonna be Messi's final world cup. Um, I think he's in one of the, well, some of the best form I've seen in a couple of years now, at least. And I think that he's finally got a team and especially the defense, which you can probably rely upon the likes of Romero, Martinez, and even the fullbacks in like Tagliafico, people like that, who he can trust on, um, and yeah, I mean their route to the final is is somewhat easy. It's not. It's not. It's it's okay. Obviously, the group's not too bad with uh, Saudi Arabia, Poland, and Mexico. Um, they're on the easier side of the draw, I'd say. Um, and they probably have to go through. I think it's one of France or Brazil, but I quite fancy them against France and Brazil. We'll see what happens. I think that's a really fifty fifty game, but they've had the number on them recently. So yeah, I, I'm going to back Messi, and um, if he does win it, I think he becomes the GOAT, the official GOAT. So we'll see what happens there. But um, Ross, in terms of your winner, who are you going for, mate, and why? Um, pre, pre, Obviously, pre-tournament, I've backed um, Argentina and Messi as top goalscorer. I think it was 40 to 1. It's now been reduced to 28s already. So at 40s, I'm, I'm hoping Argentina take yeah, it. I remember but, you telling me about that one. But um, I'm sorry, I... Just looking at their team, I don't feel like you can go against Brazil. Um, you try and pick a weakness in that team. Yeah, everyone's talking about their fullbacks, but I mean, when they've got when when they've got that front line, who can score goals after goals after goals, and yeah, granted they did drop Firmino. That's how strong they are at the moment. Um, but when you look all over the pitch, I, I do feel like they've probably got the upper hand compared to Argentina. Yes, you can say they've got Messi and this and that, um, but if Messi does go under the radar or he does have a bad game, who who else is to come out and help him out? That's that's what I question. With Brazil, there's numerous players which can get him out of the hole. Yeah, so I'm I'm back in Brazil, but I wouldn't mind if Argentina win it. Yeah, no, and there's, and there's no arguing against. Uh, I think the South American teams have the the climate advantage also. Yeah. Considering they play in literally that type of heat every single day of the year, basically. So going to the Middle East for them is exactly a challenge. And uh yeah, I think I uh, yeah, I can I can't argue with Zilber really. It's a it's a pretty solid pick. They're favourites for a reason. Um and Neymar's in pretty good form going into tournament also. So yeah, yeah, it's a, it's hard to argue against Brazil for me. Uh Joe, what have you gone for in terms of a winner? Yeah, I think the South American teams are probably the way to go. I mean, you look at the European teams. France are in a bit of a disarray. They've got no Kante, no Pogba, and Mbappe's involved in fights about image rights and things like that. And it just doesn't seem a nice place to be. Benzema as well. 
having won the Ballon d'Or, he's been in and out of Real Madrid due to injuries. So he's going in not exactly 100%. Um, Spain, you know, they've got Busquets at the, at the base of midfield, who, whilst great, if you can turn him, then you're, you're, you're in, basically. Um, so they've got their weaknesses. Um, you've got Netherlands again. Netherlands look pretty strong and balanced, yeah, actually. I like However, Holland, yeah. You might you might might say that you know with Louis van Gaal's three at the back system, is that they're a danger that they overcommit potentially and then can be caught out. Um, and then you've got who was Germany. You know again Germany their centre back options just don't really inspire me. They've got you know Musial is probably one of the most informed players in Europe. However, they've got no real striker. So Havertz is likely to be playing there due to Timo Werner being injured. And, you know, whilst Havertz can deliver in the big moments we saw in the Champions League final, you wouldn't necessarily be... You wouldn't put him amongst Europe's elite strikers. He can do a job there, but going into World Cup, it wouldn't, again, fill you with confidence. In England... um, well, we're England, aren't we? So we're not going to win <laughs> as much as I'd love it to happen. Um, but that's we could do a whole podcast on that. So I'm not going to even get into it. Older, old negative um, Southgate. But as you say, Brazil and Argentina, they've just got balance. And the two star players for those teams in Neymar and Messi, they're having unbelievable, um, they're having unbelievable seasons at PSG. You've Messi's turned into this sort of quarterback now who plays behind the strikers, but he's chipping in with goals himself. Um, anywhere within 35 yards, you'd fancy him from a free kick. And then you've also got the fact that Messi's now got the, the monkey off his back in terms of he won his first inter- major international trophy. And it's almost God, like... Give over. That trophy was set up for him to America. America. <laughs> but it's, it's like, um, you know, he's left Barcelona now as well. And it just maybe it just seems like now I think his focus really is on Argentina. Um, and as I said, you know, they've got like Taro Martinez... Um, I don't know if is Dybala injured or has he been called um, up? He's just crap, mate. He's, he's in the squad. He's just yeah. rubbish. You've got Julian, Al- uh, Julian Alvarez, who we've seen at um, City, who's looking all right. Um, and then, yeah, just they've just got decent players. For, although they are still starting Otamendi at centre-back, who apparently has been awesome for Argentina, which I just mm. really... Yeah, do you remember him? Yeah, the guy who used to get about four red cards a season for <laughs> Man City. Um but yeah, I think one of the South American teams you can't look past because there's real um, just consistency and depth throughout each of their squads. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think from what I've seen, the majority of people are going for Brazil or Argentina, um, and it's it is really tough to choose between those two. Um, so as you can tell, there's a clear split between us lot for a clear reason. Um, in terms of an underdog that you know you. That perhaps got underestimated. I I've gone in the office sweepstakes with Serbia. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the wing back system that they operate in, and I think they're one of the few teams that can actually do it effectively in the in the tournament, which is unique quality to have because I think a lot of teams try to do it, England, and can't do it. Um, and yeah, I mean, look at their team. Milinkovic Savic is probably, I think, it's the second most creative midfielder in in the world behind De Bruyne in terms of assists this year. Um, over in Syria, uh, of course, I've got pretty decent striking options in Mitrovic, who's banging him in or qualifying Vlahovic uh, for Juventus. Um, and yeah, I think they're a team who underperformed. Uh, I think the Euros underperformed, but I think they've got a fairly a fairly safe group with Switzerland, Cameroon. They could, easily, I think, they can get four points at least from that, and then give Brazil a decent game. 
Um, the only obstacle is they could face a tough round of 16 game, whether that be Uruguay or Portugal. I personally fancy them against Portugal. Uruguay is a different story. We'll see what happens. But I mean, the fact without turning this into a, a gambling podcast, you can get pretty decent odds on them to not only reach around a 16, but the quarters. Um, I do fancy them a lot. And I think they're going very much under the radar. Um, so yeah, my, my team is Serbia. Um, but bear in mind, I, I had Turkey for the Euros that went tremendously. So please, <laughs> please take note of that when you say I'll pick a Serbia. Um, Ross, what are you saying in terms of like a, an underrated team? Um, this is going to shock a few people. I think Senegal. I think. Oh, um, interesting. Sadio Mane, obviously, he's obviously the, the vital weapon in that team. And I think, obviously, you talked about the climate. They're not going to struggle with the, with the issue of obviously the heat. And I think a lot of the European teams will. Um, yes, they've got obviously the Netherlands in their group, but if they do finish second, they come come across obviously England. And I'm I'm sorry, but um, I I don't obviously I'm not a big fan of um, Southgate, and obviously Joe mentioned it earlier. We can go on for, for days about the bloke, but I think obviously knockout football. Obviously England have got that history, um, and I think Senegal could potentially um, do us over. And um, obviously, getting to the quarterfinals, anything can happen. So, I don't obviously think they will go far, far into like the semis or finals. But I do feel like they'll they'll probably get to around sixteen, maybe quarters. Yeah, so I actually quite like Ecuador. So that's an interesting one. Um, but that's if Sadio Mane is obviously fit. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult injury, one because so. I've heard I've heard mixed reports on Mane. I've heard that he can miss the first two games. I've heard he's you know. He's like pretty close, so I, it's hard to tell. I think they're keeping it close to the chest, which is understandable. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Senegal beat England around a 16, little Iceland 2.0 job. Um, I've seen stranger things, to be honest. Um, Joe, you're underrated team for the World Cup and why? Yeah, um, I, you can't call them a dark horse because they got to the semi-finals of the Euros, but Denmark are a very good team. And I, you know, that side of the, of the draw, which we are on as well, is not the strongest. So... I really do think that they'll top the group. I think they'll top the group. And I think that they'll um, potentially get to the semis again um, at this World Cup. Um, and then, yeah, I agree with you, Ecuador. Um, I had. I, I, I think Senegal aren't going to get out of the group stages, personally. Um, it's a Ooh. different story if Mane is, is fit. That, that is for sure, right? Um, but the thing is with Ecuador, they've got, they've got a couple of players, Bright, Brighton players, Moise Casado and uh, Esputinian. Esputin. Yep, something like I know you mean, yeah. The the the, the, the wing back at Brighton. Um but they were also they're like probably the best set one of the best set piece teams as well. Um and they're a very young team, but actually the last few results have been very, very low scoring. And I think that just suits tournament football perfectly. And you know, if you if they get a result against Qatar, uh, a win against Qatar, and then maybe say a draw against Senegal. You know, or a win against Senegal. That that that's pretty pretty much will see them through. You know, let's yeah. face it, Netherlands is if if you, even if you get a draw against Netherlands, you've done very well. So I think they, their focus obviously needs to be on the Qatar and Senegal games, and they could do well. Um, another is Canada, who actually Ooh. finished above the USA and Mexico in their qualifying group, and Costa Rica in their qualifying groups. Um, they've got um, Jonathan David, who where where's he at the moment? Is it Lil, is he, right? um, Lille, yes. Yeah. So Lille won the league a couple of years ago um, and he's just a really athletic. But the team is pretty much full of athletes. And then 
the biggest one of them all is Alfonso Davies, who I think he plays a lot further forward for the national team. Yeah. And so he's, you know, one of the best left backs in the world um, playing at Bayern Munich. And they've just got this sort of togetherness. And 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 also, yes, they do have junior, junior Hoyle in their team. Uh, still yeah <laughs> so um yeah i think i think canada i've not really seen loads of people talk about them but croatia are sort of an aging team and morocco who knows what morocco will turn up they've got some talented players yeah. but so canada could be going to the knockout stages I, I could see that i've actually got canada to lose every single game they play so that's an interesting one <laughs> 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 so, uh, so, uh, so Senegal and Canada that you disagree um, but I'm surprised they never said Japan opinion. actually Japan's an interesting team um, their group is just so difficult though well you say that though but that Spain team is a complete transition and I think I think Germany they won't beat Germany but they could, they could get a result against Spain and Costa Rica are, well apart from Navas they're a pretty poor team to be honest with you but um, yeah. yeah I mean let's face it more than likely Oh, I mean, in in the, in the tight groups, four points might get you out of it more than likely. So I suppose with Japan, if they get three points of Costa Rica and potentially Nick goal against, difference. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's but uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult, difficult one. But no, I, I do, I do. Um, I think we've got decent shouts there. I think, I think Ecuador's the interesting one. I don't know. I know South American team. Um, again, I think another one I like is Uruguay, but they're not really an underdog to be honest with you. So yeah, uh, they, interesting. They, they, Ecuador, they outperformed um, Colombia, Peru. So there's a couple of, you know, really good teams that aren't there because of Ecuador. So, yes. you know. We'll be, we'll be keenly watching that Senegal versus Ecuador game when that happens. Tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's take a little break before we um, get back to Don's action and um, to Barnsley away. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Azzy. What's that? Mane's out of the World Cup. Oh dear, oh dear. Well, that Ecuador shout was looking lovely. Ross, would you like to re-record a certain section? Oh, no, Liam, I think... Are you tied for time? Yeah, I'm tied for time. I'm sorry. Yeah, I have to move on. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, obviously breaking news like Mane being at the World Cup. So, uh, Ross's pick of Senegal is looking aged very well. But, um, so, yeah, Barnsley away for the Dons this Saturday. A really tough game, actually. Defensively solid team. Bottom five XG allowed in open play this year. So, you know, a five-back system that's working quite well, especially with some of the championship plays they had last season still there. Um so yeah, it's gonna be a tough game for the Dons, who are gonna need all the creative outlets they've seen recently come to life in this game to get three points. But Joe, what have you got on Barnsley that maybe the general fan wouldn't know? Yeah, well, I mean, as you say, it's, it's not really surprising when you find out the manager was obviously Michael Duff, who was at Cheltenham last year, and we had a quite a frustrating game away to Cheltenham last year, and I think we it wouldn't be surprising to have a similar um, up at Oakwell, but albeit with a better quality of player. Um, they've also got Nicky Cadden at left wing back, who can really offer a threat um, in terms of crosses into the box. Um, and in terms of their back three, they've got they've got players that are comfortable on the ball. Um, they've got talent in midfield that can also create chances. And they've got players that in it like uh, Jack Aitchinson, who has almost been reborn under... Um, 
under Michael Duff, and he, he sort of plays just behind the striker and can can cause a, a problem. So no real stars in the team, but just lots of solid, hardworking players. And in the Michael Duff team, that's you know he can make the, that just that base level really so much higher. I mean, their last result was a one 0 away to Shrewsbury. And it probably was a game as about as exciting as it sounds. So um, <laughs> I think if you would uh, if you were to ask to predict a result for that game um, last week, I, I think you'd been stupid if you didn't go one 0 to either one of those teams. Um, so yeah, that, that's the sort of team they are. It's worked um, worked for them, and uh, you know it, it's it's going to be a real tough afternoon. But they're the home team, so hopefully they will come out a little bit and. Uh, Potentially some space to to exploit this, look. but um, you know it remains to be seen. Yeah, obviously you know Barnsley are up in eighth in League One currently, so not having a bad start to the season in amongst the playoffs almost there. So Ross, in terms of some players that potentially stand out to you um, for that Barnsley squad, is there anyone that particularly catches your eye? I think Joe mentioned it. Obviously Nicky Cadden, um, obviously ex Forest Green. I think he won the Player of the Season last year for them. So. A wing back, he, he did. He does push up a lot up the pitch, so um, be interesting to see how we deal with that. Um, but Herbie Kane, obviously, I believe, I believe, I, I want to say he's ex Liverpool. Um, he is, yeah. From from the academy, sorry. Um, obviously, I, I believe he previously he was at Oxford, so um, he's got quality. And I think you can say about this Barnsley team, they have got a lot of quality all over the pitch, and. Um, I think um, Duff mentioned it previously about how um, obviously injuries have played a part in his team, but they're still finding ways to win. And I think obviously if Barnsley wants to get out of this division, obviously that they're still in transition. If they want to push up up the table and get out of this this league, um, they've got to find ways to win. And recently they have been doing that. So um, be interesting to see how we do, do deal with this Barnsley team. I, I get a feel that it's going to be a bit of a slug at times. Um, but it's whether we rise to the occasion and um, match them. Yeah, and it's um, it's it's obviously not idea we're going to a tough ground away from home, uh, especially with some of the you know injury doubts and suspensions and players going to the World Cup. For us, it's not ideal at all. Obviously, with with Massive being called up for the Wales squad, Daniel Harvey I believe suspended for this one due to having too many yellow cards. Um, and of course, Louis Barry going through the concussion protocol. Um, it's likely that those three aren't going to play at the weekend, which is a real shame. Um, but I suppose it begs the question of who's going to come in for them. I think the Harvey one's fairly simple. It'll be Watson coming in for Harvey and um, Lawrence going to left wing back and Watson will be right wing back. So that was nice and easy. Um, but the Louis Barry one's a bit more up for debate. And I know Jonathan Harris wanted us to ask us who we'd bring in for Barry and why. I think for me, it's it's probably Dara Burns. Um, I would not be shocked if Conor Grant came back in at all, to be honest. I think it's expectation versus reality for me. I expect Conor Grant, but um, I suppose I, I hope and I hope that um, Burns starting is the reality. Um, obviously, everyone knows what we're getting with Dara. A bit of a live wire on the wing. Pretty similar to Barry in terms of a player, in terms of how he likes to play and getting at players and... I think we've seen a lot for Darren in his cup games recently that he's willing to put in the defensive work also. So that's good sign, especially in this game where we're going to need to be counter-attacking, winning the ball back. Um, and he's quite fast as well. So, yeah, I mean, I hope I hope it's Darren. I really do. Um, but, say, you've, you can quote me on this if Conor Grant starts. So I've said that I think he might, he might start also. So, 
Um, Ross, in terms of your Barry replacement, saying he is out, hypothetically, who would it be and uh, why? Uh, Burns. It's an easy decision for me. Um, I think just looking at that Morecambe game, yeah, Morecambe sat off and that, but obviously you still got to break down teams and beat your man and everything else in itself. Um, but I just felt the connection he did have with Tanai um, down that right-hand side. I'm not sure, obviously, how he's going to approach the wing-back, whether he will swap Lawrence over to the left or whether Tanai will play out on the left. I'm not too sure yet, but obviously just going on that Morgan game, uh, and he he was a proper live wire and he tried to make things happen. And I just feel with Conor Grant, um, he's not someone who tries to beat their man. He's more of a... Um, He's more of a uh, person to try and pick out of a pass or in behind. And if we are going to go in behind, I just feel having Grigg trying to play in behind, it just doesn't work. So if we do play Grant, I'd expect Mo to play alongside him as well. But that's another question in itself. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's one more pass to Joe, obviously, because I, I believe Joe is also in the Burns camp. But you know, in terms of the team that did play against Derby, you know, would you start Mo instead of Grigg or would you make any other changes to the team that did play against Derby that are un, unforced, I suppose? I think I can't see Mo starting this game personally. I think that um, I wouldn't mind it, that's for sure, but I just can't see it personally. Um, I think Daryl Burns to me makes sense. Um, consider as we mentioned before, there may be an element of playing on the counter attack, and I feel with Grant, Grant is one of those players who's it's, it's all about his movement and his touch, and you know he's as, as um, Ross said, he's not really going to take on a man, and I think that's what we maybe need on the counter attack in this game, especially with two three at the back formations. I feel like there's not going to be loads of space in behind, so you may need someone to make something out of nothing if you are if they are sat 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 back potentially, and we've seen Dara. Um, you know, a few times with um, some really nice inventive play and an absolute thunder bastard against Watford. Um, so, um, but and also he's you know he's the sort of player that runs in behind. So yeah, really, um, he's just an exciting player. Um, and then yeah, tonight slots in perfectly. Really, um, I'd be surprised if it was any other way. But Lawrence has been steady on the left, and and uh, tonight. Maybe a bit sooner than later, maybe looking at... I, I doubt he'll play the full 90, but maybe play 60 and Oyugoke on, comes on for the last half an hour or something like that. Um, but um, we'll we'll just see how that goes. Um, Devoy, I, 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 I'm, I'm wanting to see a bit more Devoy. Um, I understand, yeah, he's maybe had his issues with the Shrewsbury game, but I think there's been certain times this season where there's really been a... Um, a, a high level to his game, um, but if we, it'd be just good to see him get a few more consistent starts under his belt. Uh, maybe Saturday isn't the game for that, but just a general note, I would like to see more Dawson. Yeah, ironically, we could probably do a match for this game with the injury ring back, but you know, here we are, here we are. Um, okay, we'll, we'll finish off of our scores for this one. Obviously, Barnsley, as Joe's going to allude to, don't score a lot, don't concede a lot either. So I'm not expecting a lot of goals. But Ross, what what do you reckon will will, will Don to get something from this game? What, what score have you gone with? Um, I think I mentioned in the Tykes blog earlier on in the week. Um, I've mentioned a one-all draw, but I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously, um, it being one-nil to either side, as you say, Liam. Obviously, both teams don't score many goals, but I feel 
if we are to even take anything from this game, we have to be ruthless. And obviously, it's a bit ironic how against Derby we weren't ruthless. So um, have obviously those who missed chances on Saturday learnt from those um, mistakes or misses. Uh, will time obviously time will come, or time will tell on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I think it could come down to you know what's been done in the training ground this week. Um, you know, have they fixed set pieces? Probably not in that short amount of time, but have they hopefully done a temporary mend to them? We'll see. I guess, as Ross mentioned, have they fixed the finishing issues, which again can take time, but it's it's a case-by-case basis. That's the beauty of legal and football. Um, I think I tend to agree with your blog um, prediction in 1-1, Ross. Um, wouldn't be shocked if if Barnsley score first and then we come back and get over an equaliser. Um I think it's just about being persistent in this one, trying to be a bit awkward, get on Barnsley's nerves and uh, see what we can get to really. End of the day, we're, we're underdogs in this one. So we haven't really got, not expected to get anything from this game. Um, not the actually they want to have from any league game really, but I think that's what we've got to have for this one. So hopefully the boys continue the great away form we've had this season on the whole and uh, get something from it. And I'm sure Joe's in the same boat as that. Yeah, I think I'd take a one-all. I think um, that would be a positive result. Um, they are, a, you know, as we say, they're they're a Michael Duff team, so they're going to be dangerous from set pieces. So hopefully, you know, because I, I I am sure that Michael Duff has is seen what happened on Saturday and is licking his lips. Um, so you best believe that they're going to be targeting that near post area. Uh, they're going to be doing their their work and their and their training. They 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 know where to exploit us. Um, We've not been weak in from that area. You know, we've not been weak in general play, really, just in terms defensively. So it's just about just shoring up a bit more and just providing a threat on the counter-attack. And I think a one-all would be a good result. Yes, definitely. I think we're all in agreement with that one. Okay, thank you very much for listening to the latest episode of the MQ1 podcast. Hopefully this time next week... Uh, England are tucked in around quite nicely. And um, yeah, we're in a bit we're in a positive mood with also Don's tucking in Barnsley. But we'll, I'm, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll soon see what happens on both those fronts. But um, until then, come on, you Don's. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.